Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But with Christ, it's easy and light. You know, it's like a foreign concept, unfortunately, in some circles of Christianity to use the word easy and Christianity in the same sentence. Like you should use a different four-letter word or something when you call it easy. But, man, it, it is. I mean, aren't you thankful that your salvation was completed by Christ and it was given to you and you just receive it? Right? Not something that you work for, not something that you progressively get more of. I mean, it's handed to you in fullness. Amen? I mean, do you really believe that? Because I know the questions that we have. Well, then why don't I have this? Why don't I have this? Then why is this still happening? Why am I still sick? Why am I still broke? Why am I still depressed? Because it's spiritual in you, and it has to grow into full maturation. Maturation, is that a word? Maturation? All right. I got enough nods. We can keep going. To be established in your life physically. But we get really weird about that, and we want to start doing God's part. We want to start doing the mystical, the spiritual part by all the charismatic-type activities that we do, and we get off focus, and we think, I can make this happen. I'm going to do something in my flesh that's going to participate in making the seed grow. I mean, that's, that's about as silly as any farmer that cast seed into the ground thinking that their responsibility is to do the seed's job. Your responsibility is not to do the kingdom's job. Your responsibility is to yield to the kingdom. But what you do is you make sure the ground in which the kingdom is planted in, your heart, is healthy so you're not limiting the process of the growth. Amen? I mean, I'm telling you, that is the secret of the kingdom. That is the mystery of the kingdom. That is, that is like the secret of Christianity. If you can learn that one thing, tend the garden of your heart so that you are healthy inwardly so that the kingdom will grow into your life. You don't do something with the kingdom. You just let it grow. Your heart is what you are to tend. Amen? So I'm wrapping up this series. I'm going to ramble a little bit. I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. I'm going to ramble today, all right? Throughout this series, I think this is the fourth or fifth one, we're calling this, Why Am I Here? You ever ask that? Why am I here? It might be like a good thing, something, an incredible blessing comes to you, and you're thinking, why me? Why? I don't, I don't deserve this. Or you're on the flip side. You're in the middle of hell on earth, and you're thinking, why me? Why am I here? What did I do to get this, make this happen? Or even just the bigger question, why am I breathing air? God, what is my purpose? What is your plan for me? You ever wondered that? I know you're tired of saying yes. I've asked you for like three weeks now, but <laughs> just play with me here. We'll get there. <laughs> but we all ask that question. God, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? What do you want me to do? And so We've walked through this process of looking at Revelation 4.11, which clearly says that God created everything for His good pleasure. The reason 
everything exists, including you individually, is because it brings God pleasure. So then we fast forward into Matthew 17, and Jesus said, it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That word is not used very often in Scripture, the word pleasure, but he ties it to it's the reason he created everything, and it brings him pleasure to give you what he has, to give you the kingdom. Not his good pleasure to, before you're born, sit back, write a job description, create a blueprint for your life and say, okay, when Sean's born, he's going to have this. And when this is 11, I'm going to have this happen to him because I need it to happen this way because this is going to be here. And when he gets to this age, this is the job that I need him to do. That'll really make me happy. Here you go. Here's your job description. Good luck. Oh, wait, you messed up. I'm disappointed in you. Now I've got to give your mantle to somebody else. Uh -oh. <laughs> Man, we get weird with that stuff. God is a father. The reason you're breathing, because he wanted you to be his child. That's the purpose you exist. Amen? Amen. So then religion gets in the way because we wonder what we're supposed to do, and just existing and enjoying relationship with him doesn't feel like our flesh is doing enough. So religion is more than happy to say, here, take this profile. And when you get down to the bottom of it, it'll tell you what you're supposed to do because it's basing it on what you're really good at. So your performance will then determine your will, God's will for you. You ever taken those? Like you get down to it and you're like, well, I, don't, I didn't know that I wanted to do this. <laughs> but this is what it says, so maybe that's why I was created, you know. So the point is you're breathing because God takes pleasure in you being his child. So then you're called right? And the calling is twofold, and this is what we try to figure out. What am I called to do? What's my purpose? What's, the, what's your plan for me? Well, the word calling means an invitation to embrace salvation. There are two callings, or two folds to what calling is. The very first one is the high calling in Christ Jesus. That's not your ministry. That is to say yes to Jesus. That is to receive and embrace what he's done for you. The highest calling that you can answer on this planet is not fulfilling your job description. It's getting saved. That's what it means to embrace salvation. Now, from there, the other side of calling, it goes hand in hand. It's not separate. You're still not looking for a job description. The other side of calling is as you daily embrace salvation, you follow God. And as you follow Him, He will have assignments for you along the way. One of those assignments might be that He calls you to be a mother to nine children. Somebody just told me they know somebody with nine kids yesterday. I'm thinking, wow. You got to be called to have nine kids. You better know. It's like, it's like preaching. It's like being a pastor. You better know that you're called. You're going to have nine kids, you better be called to that because you're going crazy. I got two. That's enough. But part of your calling might be, Kopi, I need you to function in the office of a pastor within a particular body. And if that's a natural expression of the desires of his heart, he'll step into that calling. The pastoral office is not a special anointing. 
It's not a, it's not a, it's not a uh, gift. It's, the offices of administration are never referred to as anointings or gifts. You don't have a prophetic anointing. You might be called into the office of a prophet, and the anointing will work within you, and you will prophesy from that power. But whether or not you ever step into that office is not the determining factor of if you have fulfilled God's purpose for your life. I mean, I know I'm kind of rearranging a lot of what we've been taught. But we're free. We're children. We're not servants. Jesus said it clearly. You are no longer servants. I call you children. I mean, who had kids to, for them to do a job for you? There's always one of you. There's always one of you. I said, cut the grass, boy. What? Exactly. Because they're your kids, you give them assignments along the way. But I promise you, you did not conceive that child thinking, one day, they're going to cut the grass for me. That was the last thing from your mind. You were just expressing love and relationship and you know, something. We're free. You're more free than you realize. We have religified what we think it looks like to walk and follow and serve God. So it's about following him from the heart. Now, here's the thing. This is difficult. This is, you know, this is conceptual. This is kind of something I'm making up, but it's based on Scripture. But there, there is a place where you can walk with God where you're not questioning whether or not you're following God. You're not waking up trying to get a message from him to tell you what you're supposed to do. Rather, you wake up and you are confident that the path that you are going to walk that day is in agreement with God and it is easy and light because you know you are at peace with him. You know he is with you. You know he is strengthening you. You might have something difficult to walk through, but you're not wondering to him, what am I supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm unhappy. I'm disappointed. I bet you are disappointed in me as well. I mean, we live with so much disappointment. We question every step we take sometimes because we don't know that we're free and we don't know that we can just live and yield to his spirit to the degree that the direction that you're going is the absolute direction that he would want you to go. We compartmentalize it. We detach. We think, okay, I'm living my life but God's got this path that I'm supposed to walk. And yes, there are things that he'll want you to do, but I'm telling you, you can be so free and so confident and so full of joy and rest and peace that you don't, it doesn't even enter your mind, God, what am I supposed to do for you? You're just walking and enjoying and you look around and the fruit is there. You follow him naturally. We are recreated in his image to be spiritual beings, to listen to his voice subconsciously, in other words, not to have to think about it, but just follow it. And you do this. You follow God better than you think that you do. Probably when you try to follow him is when you mess it up. You follow him more accidentally than you ever do on purpose because it's in your heart too. You've been given a new heart that is encoded with God's law. In other words, God's way of doing things. You know how God does things because you've been given the mind of Christ. When you just live in that, you bear that kind of fruit. It's like this. Those of you, and you've all done it, it's like you get older and you, you have kids maybe or friends and you start talking and you think, oh my gosh, I sounded just like my father when I said that. 
You ever done that? Who's ever done that? And it's kind of scary. You walk by the mirror and you're like, dang, I look just like my mom. That was weird. You ever notice that? Did you try to do it like your father? Did you try to look like them in the mirror? No, it just happens. It's encoded within you. It's your DNA. It's your, it's your genetic makeup to move in that direction. So it is with God. He has encoded his DNA into us spiritually. And you can just look just like him. You just live your life. Now, there are some principles in that. You stick to the commandments of Jesus. That is, trust God. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Him with all your heart, mind, and soul. That means you're involved with God. You have an active, healthy, loving relationship with God. I'm not saying you can wake up and just be crazy and not ever think about God and think that it's somehow just going to magically work out. We think grace is magic. Like, I just do whatever I want to do, and because Christ is in me, that's what He would do. My life looks like what He wants because He's in me. No, I'm talking about you're sticking to the principles that your Lord gave you. That is, love people, treat them as you want to be treated, believe on His name, love Him with all your heart, soul, and strength. Those are the parameters, but those aren't laws of obedience. Those are laws of relationship. And as you engage those laws of relationship, it will teach your heart. You, you will be in, in your mind, you'll be in agreement with Him, and your heart will be open to not limit Him. And then you'll follow Him effortlessly. See, these, these are concepts that nobody can teach you how to do this. I mean, we can teach methods. We've got, you know, 20,000 of them, 40,000 of them, meaning denominations. All these different denominations that we have are just methods of how we think it, what it looks like to follow God. That's all a denomination is. It's like, okay, well, we think it should be this way. This is our name. Well, we think it should be this way. This is how we're going to limit God, so we're going to call ourselves this. This is how we limit God, so this is going to be the sign we put on our door. This is how we limit God, you know. I mean, that's even where the, the name, and I'm not trying to be negative, it's just the idea of Methodist came from, Wesley said, okay, the way you live a Christian life is you pick a method out of Scripture and you apply that to your life and you live according to that method. I like that. Let's just make sure it's kingdom-minded and undergirded by the new covenant, right? Let's just make sure there's good theology that drives the method. You guys are former Methodists. There's lots of good things. I'm not, I'm not anti-Methodist. Just make sure it's a godly method. <laughs> make sure it's not religion. So we've been talking about, especially in our Wednesday night classes, we've been talking about goal setting, which is just a method of how to align your heart to stop limiting God. How, whatever works for you is what you've got to find. And, you know, that's kind of the job of us as a church. We get to kind of introduce different ideas to you. So while we have a bookstore, go in there, utilize those resources. We have different classes. It's all to get the same thing to happen in your life, and that is that you wake up and you know that God loves you, and you just embrace what He's done for you daily, and then you walk and naturally bear the fruit of His indwelling presence. And what that means is you're touching the whole world around you. Everywhere you go, people encounter the presence of God. It's easier than you think that it is. But the problem is, is we've got all this baggage that we're carrying that we're looking at instead of Him. So goal setting, picking an area of your life, whether it be relational or financial or career or whatever, 
and setting goals and taking incremental, small, measurable steps that you can look back and say, okay, well, I've gotten this far. Now I'm here. This is where I need to go with this. Because a lot of times we think as Christians, we can just, it's just all going to work out. We can just trust God and I don't have to make any decisions. I don't have to do anything and I can just go. And, and while that's true, if you're not moving, you're going to sit back and, and the opportunity is going to pass you and you're going to think, God, well, why didn't that come? Why didn't that happen? Because we're not. You know, it's a paradox. We are fully at peace, complete, and at rest in Him spiritually, and our salvation is complete. But it's like a gardener that thinks he just cast a seed in the ground, he's going to wake out, walk out there tomorrow and eat tomatoes. No. The process is tending the garden. The process is the soil is my responsibility. The seed will produce after its own kind. The soil is your heart. The soil is your life. The soil is your mind. Are you tending the garden to the degree that the seed that has been placed within you is not limited? So when we talk about all this stuff, it's not that we're putting ourselves back under works or we're not doing God's part for us. You know, we think, okay, well, I've got my, my salvation is good. I've got to work really hard to make the rest of this happen. And see, depending on what branch of religion you might be in, it might be, well, here's how you get it to work. You write a check. And if you write that check with the, uh, the right amount of zeros and you give it to the right ministry, then the right harvest will come into your life. Yeah. You, ever, you ever bought into that watching TV and you're like, if I write a check right now, this is the ministry, this is the ground. It's, my, it's what's going on in your heart. Not the externals. So we want to be intentional. We need to be intentional. You have to be intentional. It's the way that you move forward. It's the way that you align yourself to experience that everything God has for you. Yes, some things God just brings into your life, and it's like, you know what? It, it just happened. I just walked right into that blessing. How in the world did that happen? And sometimes it happens that way. But you can align yourself and be diligent, applying God's principles, living in such a way where the chances of you walking into a blessing are more because your garden, your heart, thinks like Him. That's the, I'm telling you, God, there's never been anything bad happen to you that God did not first warn you about. There is, there is never a situation that you find yourself in, debt, lack, sickness, that God is not currently giving you the solution of how to walk out of that. Never. God tends toward life. He is always leading you toward life and peace. But the problem is our heart is more tuned to other voices. It's like you've got this garden, right? And you're looking at it, and it's your heart and the kingdom is planted in the middle of it, and you decide that one day you're going to walk out there and you're looking at it, and all of a sudden there's a weed right there. You notice the weed, and you're thinking, okay, look at that weed. Let's call the weed worry. Maybe the weed is because something happened over here that blew into the garden. Maybe that's debt. Maybe that's a child over there that's in trouble that blew into your garden, and now a weed is growing up, and you're looking at this weed. This weed is worry, and you think... Well, isn't that weed interesting? I think I'm going to look at that weed. I wonder what's going to happen with that weed. I think I might just pay attention to it a little bit here. 
oh my goodness, it's getting bigger. I wonder if I should do something about that. And so you just sit and you camp and you let that worry and you let that worry and you let that worry grow. And the next thing, it's in your heart, it's in your garden, and it's bigger than the other seed that's trying to grow. Because of our religious concepts of what we think we've got to do to get God to show up and move, you don't realize that He's already planted all things that pertain into life and godliness in you. You are joined to Him in marriage eternally in your spirit to Him. All His promises are yes and amen. The only responsibility you have is to tend this garden and you eat the fruit as it grows. You, you eat the fruit of... I'm going to go over here and pray for this person. You eat the fruit of, there's a new job opportunity for me. I've got the confidence to move in that direction rather than sitting back going, God, give me a sign if I'm supposed to move in that direction. It's a confidence. You just go. Because you've taken the time to sit in your garden and meditate with your God, and your mind is more full of the way that He does things than it is the way the, what the world has for you. Now, we all do it. You know, it's like, here's my garden. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to meditate. Christ in me, the hope of glory. These are the promises. All his promises are yes and amen. Yes, I've got this debt over here, but he is my provider. He shall meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. Now, you're not doing that stuff to try to make those things happen. You're just keeping your focus on the truth so that it grows and that thing will be eradicated because your confidence is in the Lord. Jesus tells us this in Mark 4. He's talking to the boys. He gives the parable of the sower. They don't understand it. They call him aside. They say, what are you talking about? He says, let me tell you something. I will give you the mystery of the kingdom. You want to know the mystery of the kingdom? He says, I'll tell you the mystery of the kingdom. And he describes four different conditions of the heart. Go back and read it. I'm not going to go through all those conditions right now. But he gets down to the bottom of it and he says, okay, now that I've taught you that your heart determines the degree of the kingdom that will grow into your life, take that revelation and put it in your garden so that it illuminates this reality. Don't stick it under the bed. If you know the parable, these are the kinds of things that he's saying. He says, okay, so here's the thing. The kingdom has been planted in you. The condition of the garden is going to determine the health of the seed or the, 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 the yield that it's going to grow. Now, the measure you meet will be measured back to you, he says. And then he says, those who have, more will be given. Those who have not, even that which they have will be taken away. If you think about it more like a garden, rather than some subjective God up here trying to determine and judge you by your performance, whether he's going to give you more or not. It's like a garden. The healthier the garden, the more it's going to grow. The more at peace you are, the more you're going to grow peace. The more, and, and, and to the measure that you meet, the degree of thought, meditation, care that you give to this garden will be measured back to you. You're sowing and reaping. It's the parable of the sower. It's not some mystical thing that God's out there and if you make him happy, then he's going to give you more. And if you disappoint him, he's going to take things away from you. In fact, it never even says that it's God doing the giving and the taking. That's actually the fruit of what the, the heart is producing. Then he says, all right, here's how the kingdom works. He, he tells them first, he said, this is the mystery of the kingdom. It's planted in you. 
The condition of the soil determines how much of it you'll let grow. But you want to know how the seed works? Want to know that? It's like a farmer that casts seed into the ground. He doesn't know how it's going to happen. He doesn't know how it grows, but he goes to sleep. He wakes up, and it bears fruit after its own kind. The kingdom knows how to grow. The kingdom knows exactly. When I say the kingdom, you know, I mean the presence of God. But the kingdom within you, if left to itself unhindered, will grow into your life and nourish the areas of your life that need to be nourished. God knows what you need before you ever even ask. The kingdom seed within you will bear the kind of fruit that you need to eat in that moment, in that day, in that second. But are you tending that garden and just letting it grow? See, we think, I've got to tell God what he's supposed to do for me. I've got all this and me. I don't even, it, it gets complicated, our view of what we think it looks like to walk with God. We have to fundamentally shift what we think God is, who we think He is, what kind of father we think He is. What I'm getting at here is the idea that He's given you everything, but it's not in your life yet. So we talk about goal setting. We talk about being intentional. We talk about, I have these financial goals, but it's not these financial goals that'll be my provision. So if you think of planning financially for the future, you've got the principle that says a righteous man leaves, inherit, leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. That's the fruit of you managing your finances in a kingdom way is that your, your lineage gets to benefit from you following God. Not that you do a principle and then God gives you something, but because you bear this fruit. I mean, I know it's subjective. I know I'm kind of throwing a con conceptual idea out here because I don't want to give you steps per se, I do want you to develop your own method of guarding your heart. Develop your own method of tending your heart. What does it mean? What, what does it take for you to get your focus off of worry, to get your focus off of your kids, off of the fact that you hate your job, off of your relationship with your spouse, and focus on what God has for you in that place and nourish that as it grows. It will change your behaviors as you focus on the truth. That stuff that's outside the garden, it will change. It'll either change on its own or something will bear out of your heart that you can eat and it deals with this situation. So goal setting, being an intentional, you know, we haven't gotten too practical on Sundays. On Wednesdays, we're, we're getting more practical. You're still welcome to come. I think we've got two more classes on Wednesday nights <clears throat> where we're really getting down into what goals are what we want to do, we're going to form a plan, we're going to take steps, we're going to work a plan. See, it's a paradox because you labor to enter into the rest. The gardener goes out there and works in that garden so that the seed will bear and you can partake of the, the fruit of whatever that seed grew. Whatever you planted, whatever you are protecting, whatever you are guarding, that's what's going to grow. But see, what we do is we go out and we open the garden gate. We open the door of our heart and we let the world in. We let the fear in. We let the worry in. We let the distraction in. We let all of the stuff that's, we let ISIS in. We let Obama in. I don't know. Who gets in your heart? Who are you planting in your garden? This is how you know what you're planting in your garden. Whatever you allow to invoke emotion within you. 
What evokes emotion within you? That is what you are going to plant in your garden. You understand what I mean? Some of us are emotional. I mean, Mike here, Senator Crane is now going to soon probably be Congressman Crane, right? <laughs> Boy, you better be called. <laughs> but, you know, we're for him. We support him. He's one of ours. It's a passion on his heart. But that, that invokes emotion in him. But how does he see that, you know? There's a letting, a calling to go into that field is different than watching Fox News and getting a political onslaught and letting it evoke an emotion in another way. Which way are you going to let it evoke emotion? It's fine if it evokes emotion, and don't be afraid if it does, but where is it? Do I need to set it outside the garden, or do I actually need to let this thing take root? What's going to be my focus? Because you will eat what you allow to grow whether it be life or death. Your tongue is going to water that thing. So pick an area of your life, and this is, this is where we've been talking about, you know. Pick an area of your life that you want to see change. You've got to be willing to change. You've got to be willing to say, you know what, I don't have a clue what I'm doing here. You might not even have a clue that you don't have a clue. Really, you know what I mean? One day you realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm like that? I could, something's got to happen here. But it starts with a willingness. It starts with an openness. It starts with taking the responsibility that this ain't working for me. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how I'm going to change. I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. But all I know is that the, 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 the seed of solution is within me. And if I nurture that and I let it grow... It will change me. It will change how I think. It will change how I see. It will change how I talk. It will change how I make choices. It will bear after its own kind, but what you water is what will grow. What are you watering? See, we sit back and we think, all right, I've got this big thing over here. I want to do this. God, show up, make it happen. Oh, it didn't happen. What a disappointment I am. He must not want it for me. Rather than looking inward and letting it grow out of you toward the world, we look at the world and we, let that, we bring that stuff in and shove it in our hearts. And we judge. And we think, and we carry so much disappointment. We just do. We carry so much disappointment. Did you know, let me, I'll tell you this. God loves you. Amen. God is not mad at you. Amen. You cannot disappoint God. Amen. Same thing as first service. Yeah, God loves me. Yeah, God's not, at me. God's not mad at me. You can't disappoint God. Half the head stopped. You got to radically change who you think God is and how he sees you to make a statement like that. You can't disappoint God. If you think he's disappointed in you, you think he's relating to you based on your behavior. And he's not. He's relating to you based on Christ in you. You're in the family. Now, he might not be pleased with your behavior, but he's, he doesn't change how he feels about you based on your behavior. God never changes how he feels about you. In fact, when you're messing up the most is probably when the most compassion is pouring out of his heart toward you. 
While you were dead and in your sin, Christ died for you. I mean, at your worst, darkest moment, that's when God said, I've got to die for them. I love them too much to let them destroy themselves like this. That's your God. Then, then that kind of love has been, has been rooted into you to grow and bear the things into your life that He wants for you. And that is your job. Not figure out, God, what am I supposed to do on this planet? But God, how do I guard my heart and not let the world wreck what you're trying to do in me? Because when you take that fruit and you eat that fruit, you're going to change. You're going to act. You're going to move. It's like Jesus who was moved with compassion and he healed them all. You know, that word moved, it's, it's, I mean, it's an interesting word. It's like a deep down guttural, you know, when you feel a movement down there, you're like, we're going one way or the other, you know. It's that type of movement. That's the same word that's used. It's, it's, you can't do anything about it, but it drives an action. And it just does. That, that's, that's what it can be like. That it's just a natural expression that we don't have to figure out how do I walk into the blessing? How do I get my dream to happen? How do I get what I want, God? But that because you have daily tended the garden of your heart, you have daily stepped into those little moments of grace, willing to change and think the way that He thinks and renew your mind and intentionally move in that direction and put your heart in front of Him. That's the word. We, you know, we, sometimes we just throw it in neutral. Now, see, here's the thing is you have to do that from the place of rest because this sounds like work, right? This sounds like, oh, man, every day I've got to... Ugh. Something is going to be in your mind and in your heart every day. The stuff that is in there that you don't put effort to think about that's in there, you worked at some point to get it in there. You understand what I'm saying? Like the things that you think about, the worry that you carry, the, the excitement that you carry, that just you seem to kind of naturally think about that stuff. You did something to condition your mind and heart so that now you naturally think about those things without even thinking about it. It can be the same way with the things of God. It takes that initial little bit of work. It takes that initial meditation, you know. You find a new boyfriend or girlfriend, and man, you're just thinking about them. That's all you can think about. You think about what their lipstick looks like. You think about what they smell like. You think about what they want to eat. You think about, and that's all you think about because your, your passion is toward this thing. That's why we talk about passion, you know, what, moving towards your passion. But, but it's got to be natural. If it's not something that you do naturally walking with God, you'll quit eventually. That's the work that we do. That is how you tend the garden of your heart. What is it that I can do to put into my mind and in my heart things that will begin to shape me so that within a few weeks, this is just natural for me to dwell on? In other words, you wake up and a debt, the debt that used to so badly bring fear on you, it's still there, but you just think differently about it. And what you think about is what's going to grow in your life. I mean, you guys know this stuff, but it's like, are we literally intentionally tending the garden of our hearts so that the kingdom will grow? Because it will. It wants to. It's designed to. It will produce. 
It's not a mystery. It's not mystical how to engage the kingdom. It's just quit throwing junk on top of it. It'll grow. It will grow. It's growing now. It only stops when you throw stuff on top of it and worry about it. It's so natural. It's so natural to follow God. It's very natural to desire the things that He would want you to desire. Your nature is already in agreement with that. So that's your responsibility. That's your job. That's your homework every day for the rest of your life as we wrap up this series, is what am I watering? You know, it's simple, but it's deep. It's, it's easy, but it's profound. It's like, it, we, we, I want to set you free, but I want to place the deepest responsibility on you as well to daily embrace your salvation. Probably the biggest way you can tend the garden is just, what did he do for me? I don't remember the exact scripture, but it gives that principle that the way you develop faith in your heart is you meditate on what He did for you. And if you're in sin, it's because you forgot that you're forgiven. Remember your forgiveness. Remember your righteousness. Remember your holiness. Thank Him. Focus on those kinds of things, and it'll grow into your life. And as you have a passion in a specific area, you have a dream, you have a direction that you feel like God's called you into, you create a plan, birth it from that garden, put steps in place. These are the steps that I'm going to take. If I don't know what to do, I'm going to find somebody that does know what to do, and I'm going to ask them. I'm going to get them to help me put a plan of action in place, and I'm going to take those steps rather than sitting back, drinking a cup of sweet tea, thinking, I wonder if it's ever going to happen. That's where most of us are, wondering. Why is, why is this? Why is it like that? Why hasn't this happened? Why? Because we're not intentional. So it's a paradox. Labor to enter into the rest. Rest so that the kingdom will grow. Tend the garden so that it's healthy and it will bear fruit in your life. Do you see that? Do you get it? Does that mean something to you? You know, I don't want, I don't want to just give you interesting ideas, right? I mean, I... I I want, I, want us, I want our lives to change. I want my life to change. I want your life to change. I want the body of Christ to be so confident in who we are that we are literally making an impact on this planet everywhere we go. I'm tired of talking to Christians that have debt. I mean, I'm not from a disappointment, but from a like, you know what? No, no, it doesn't have a right in our life. I'm tired of talking to people who are sick. I'm tired of talking to parents whose kids have gone nuts and they feel like they're trapped and there's no solution. I'm not mad at them. It's, that's not the point. It's like, no, it shouldn't be that way. You can do something about it. Trust God. How are you going to trust God? What is it going to take for you to arrange your heart and your life and your mind where you are not limiting God and you are trusting Him? What's it going to take for you? Or, you know, we can just come in. It's like we can just worship and have a little sermon, and you go home, and we don't ever expect any of this stuff to ever be applied. <laughs> I mean, really. 
I would end, but I don't know if he's kind of, he's doing something. Just keep your heart open to him. This is church. I didn't think we were actually supposed to do something. <laughs> we play patty cake with God. It's like you pretend. It's like God's pretend or something. It's like, it's like yeah, I'm willing to trust that he's out there. But, but am I actually going to engage him in my heart and expect something to happen and expect a change to make? Am I going to actually open myself up enough to be willing to be different and do things differently? Or am I just going to sit here and put him to the test, hoping he shows up and does something, and then I've got an excuse when it doesn't happen? Because after all, he could have, but he didn't. No, it's, it's your heart. Where are you with him? Where are you? I'm not talking about the, kind, the level of faith that you have or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about your behaviors. You know, unfortunately, Christianity has become, let's make everybody better citizens, right? Quit smoking. Quit drinking. Quit cussing. Quit watching R-rated movies. Quit drinking. said that twice. <laughs> Some of y'all need to say it twice. No. Like, like, like that's the mark of what Christianity even is. Or, or, or that's, those are fruits. Yeah, that stuff changes. I, I want to I see believers that reflect Jesus. You know, I want to see a body of Christ that isn't disappointed in themselves, that, that isn't afraid of God that isn't limited to the world's systems. We should be the most creative bunch on the planet. We should be the most artistic, interesting, productive organization on the planet. But we're like secondary. We wait for the world to do stuff and then we try and change it. It's like, I ain't gonna do nothing. I'll wait for you to do something. Now you're doing something, you're doing it wrong. That's what the world has. That's the opinion that the world has of believers. I don't know. I hope I've stirred something. You know, I want to set you free, but I want to inspire you to action. I want you to trust God, but I want you to be intentional about it. I want you to grow up and quit blaming God for the condition of your life. Me, I'm talking to me too. Realize, though, he's your partner. He's your co-laborer. He wants it for you more than you want it for yourself. Amen. You receive that? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your spirit that you've placed within each believer. I don't want to work for it, but I want to work diligently to tend the garden of my heart so I'm not limiting what you want to do through me. I'm willing to change. I am willing to do things differently. I'm willing to never, ever again utter another excuse and see the desire of my faith through to the end, to completion. Thank you for your grace that empowers me every step of the way. Thank you for your salvation that protects us that delivers us, that heals us as we go. And thank you for the wisdom 
that guides every step. Thank you, Lord. Amen.